Chapter 20, The Other Half Tumble was stuffed. After dinner, when the adults dragged extra chairs into the living room, she plopped down onto the shag carpet beside Blue and tried hard not to burp. Ma Myrtle and Eve took seats on the short sofa behind them. Her parents and Millie sat across from them on kitchen chairs. Goat, in an armchair that had to be almost as old as the man himself, was telling Tumble's dad that he was in charge of catching all the fish for Flat's restaurant. How do you do that if your boat is broken? Blue asked. I've still got my canoe, said Goat. I keep it for when I want to head into the Okefenokee. Too tricky to get the John boat down that way. Luna Montgomery, Ma Myrtle interrupted, was a famous navigator. She sailed around the world on a raft she built out of coconut shells. Eve sighed. I don't think that's true, Mama. How would you know? I'm the only one who's read the family history. She tossed a strand of wispy gray hair over her shoulder and lifted her chin toward Tumble's parents. Howard may not use his gifts, but others in our family are very talented. Right now, in fact, I've gathered them all together to show... I want to hear more about fishing, Tumble said. Her parents would be out the door in a flash if the Montgomery started talking about fates and curses tonight. Mama, let's not tell family stories, Eve added. The Wilsons have just moved here. We don't want to put too much on them at once. Nonsense, Evie. We should show the Montgomery in action. Mom Myrtle's skinny fingers flashed down to the space between the sofa's cushions and reappeared with a remote control. I've been looking everywhere for that. Goat slapped his knee and let out one of his bleeding laughs. The show that comes on before our Samanthas is about to end. Mom Myrtle clicked the television on. She smiled mildly at the Wilsons. My granddaughter Samantha has chosen not to visit me before my demise, but I do love her show anyway. Mama, Eve hissed. They don't want to sit here all night watching Samantha's show. I thought it would be nice if the two of us had an evening away from the chaos, but if you can't behave, here it is. Tumble recognized the show that was coming on. It was a sitcom that she hadn't watched often, but she knew it was popular. And the main actress's name was... Samantha Lewis is related to you? Tumble's dad exclaimed, leaning so far, far, far forward that his chair tipped. Eve sighed. Lewis was my fourth husband's name. She's not as charming in person, I'm afraid. The show started with a tinkle of music and Samantha appeared on the screen. She looked like a female version of Howard, dark hair and olive skin, which made sense when Blue and Blue told Tumble in a low whisper that the actress was Howard's mother and that it was a very sore subject. Tumble wondered what it must be like to see a mother you didn't know in real life on television every day. When the first commercial break came, Eve spoke up. All right, that's enough, Mama, she said over the sound of an advertisement for laundry detergent. She reached for the remote. Mom Myrtle tried to hold it out of the way, but Eve snagged it and peered down at the buttons. Goat doesn't want us filling up his living room until kingdom come, she said, and I'm sure the Wilsons need to be getting home. That would be best, Tumble's mother agreed. We've got a few leaks, and we don't want the pans to overflow onto the floor. I can put you in touch with a roofer, Goat offered. Thank you, but I, I, I like to do my own repairs. Where's the off switch on this thing, Goat, said Eve. Tumble pushed herself up onto her knees to help Blue's grandmother find the right button. Suddenly, from his chair across the room, her father said, No, don't turn it off. Tumble looked at him. He was gesturing toward the television. 
We've got a little fame in our own family, he said. Look, Tumble, it's Grandpa Laffy's commercial. A bus-sized RV, the same model as their family's, rolled across the screen. Light flashed off its chrome. Its crown emblem twinkled, and then Grandpa Laffy was there, wearing purple velvet and ermine like the monarch in a school play. He even had a scepter made out of a hood ornament. Come to Laffy's RV Kingdom today, the announcer's voice boomed. And you'll be ruling the roads tomorrow, Tumble and her parents said. They were perfectly in time with the announcer. Grandpa Laffy really needs to get a new commercial, said Tumble, turning back to help Eve with the remote. He, he, should, have, he should have you write a jingle for it, Dad. Grandpa Laffy? Mom Myrtle said. It's this button, Mrs. Eve, said Tumble, pointing. But Eve's fingers had stopped moving. She was staring at Tumble, then at Mom Myrtle, and then back again. Her head was moving so quickly that she looked like she was trying to work a cramp out of her neck. Grandpa Laffy, Mom Myrtle said, much more shrilly this time. That's old Deidre Lafayette's boy. Oh, Tumble's mother sounded delighted. Did you know my grandmother? Ma Myrtle, said Goat, standing up. Are you all right? Ma Myrtle was clutching the front of her blouse in both of her wrinkled hands. Lafayette's? Lafayette's are among us? That's how it all goes wrong. Mama, Eve said sharply, don't be ugly. Bedevilment, wailed Mom Myrtle, falling back into the cushions. I'll fortune in my final days. Tumble felt someone tugging on the sleeve of her shirt, and she turned to see Blue, his wide eyes matching her own. What's going on? she said. He shook his head. I don't know exactly. Eve stood. Mama, we are not going to do this here in front of these nice people. Tumble's parents were staring at Ma Myrtle with alarm. Is she okay? Tumble's father asked. Eve smiled at them. Don't worry, please. Ma Myrtle is just a little excitable, a little histrionic. Does she need to go? Eve said, pulling her mother into her feet by one arm. She'll feel better when she gets back to the house. She's enjoying the company of our beloved relations. Ma Myrtle and Eve glared at each other for a tense moment. Then Ma Myrtle snatched her arm away, and with a last dark look at the Wilsons, she marched out of the room. By the time the door slammed, Eve was already soothing things over. Her health, you know, and she doesn't quite know how to deal with everything that's happening right now. Tumble's mother was nodding sympathetically, but Tumble still felt completely baffled. What's wrong with Lafayette's? She whispered to Blue. Grandpa Laffy's just as friendly as anyone. He stood and stretched. I'm going to make sure Ma Myrtle's not too upset, he said. But he dropped his arms and made a follow me gesture behind his back. Tumble trailed behind him into the kitchen and out onto Goat's front steps. It was still drizzling outside, but not as badly as it had been. Ma Myrtle was already back in the car. What on earth was that about? Blue's face scrunched. You remember the story I told you about my family and the golden alligator, Munch? Tumble snorted. It's kind of hard to forget something like that. Well, I should have told you more. He frowned down at his arm. It looked pale and thin without its cast on. I should have told you the other half of the story. There's more, thought Tumble. How much stranger could the Montgomerys get? What's the other half? The Lafayettes are, said Blue, looking back at her. You are. And then we've got a little part from the alligator. How very human of Blue to forget Elmira. Her likeness was carved into the wood over their front door, but the Montgomerys preferred to treat her as a side character. 
When the story was passed down, she was little more than an explanation. A woman named Lafayette had ruined it all under the red moon, they said. She, this, sorry, she was why everything had gone sideways. A partial truth. The worst kind of lie because it slides so smoothly down the gullet. Here is what actually happened that night. Swallow with care. You'll find my version has had none of its sharp edges removed. Red everywhere. Overhead dripping from the sickle moon, underfoot staining the leaves, sparkling on the surface of the black water, red filled the whites of Walcott's eyes. It dried in the curved spaces beneath Almira's fingernails. The sounds were almost animal, crack of bone, shriek and thud, and that old familiar smell on the air mingling with the blood. Do you know what humans smell like, I said when the battle paused, under the skin, behind the veins? Greed. Their faces, twisted with exhaustion and pain, were growing brighter. The red was falling away from the moon. Do continue, I said. You're almost out of time. They stood facing each other, chest lifting and lowering, until finally Walcott spoke in the mosquito whine of a voice. We'll kill each other at this rate. Is that what you want, you dark thing? A question only a human would ask. Under the red moon, I do not want, I am. Can we split it? Almira said suddenly, wiping red from her mouth. You could break it in two. A bad idea. I told them. I explained, oh so clearly, what a broken fate would mean for the Montgomerys and Lafayettes who came after them. But would we have what we want? Walcott asked. He spat a tooth on the ground. Would we have the luck? Yes, they would. Well, that's it then. That's all I care about, said Walcott. And Amara agreed. So for the first time in history, I broke a great fate in half. And I knew how it would sink in its claws into human after human on down through the years, all the way to tumble into blue. Every death, every hurt, every broken arm and stitched shin. I knew on that very night. And you're wrong. I'm not the monster. All I am is true.